A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Hello, bonjour, and wagwan, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to The DNA Airwaves. This week's podcast is brought to you by the MPL, Toronto's modular film and audio studios. If you have any film or audio needs, head down to the-mpl.com for more information. Once again, that's the-mpl.com. That's MPL like maple without vowels. This podcast is also brought to you by The DNA Project, your entertainment agency. If you have any entertainment needs, check out thednaproject.ca for more information. This week, we sat down with one of the most interesting fellows that I know, Eric Alper. Eric's career path took him from starting a record label straight out of college to working with hundreds of artists from Ray Charles, Master P, 98 Degrees, Ziggy Marley, and Smashing Pumpkins, just to name a few, amassing 16 Juno Awards for artists, overseeing their PR campaigns in the process. We chat with Eric about his journey and his advice for the next generation. And freeze. Boom. Yeah, here Thank we go. Thank you so much for joining us, Eric. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking at Matt's drum set, and I'm like, I, I want to be there. I don't want to be here. <laughs> oh, man. Forget about the drum set. Look at your hair, man. <laughs> it's wild. Good couple, to meet you guys. How are you? Locks. Yeah, yeah, good, man. Good, How are you doing? Good, thank you. Good. Yeah, yeah. So let's get right into it. We really appreciate your time. We know we're a little pressed for time, so we're going to speed talk as much as we can. So, guys, listen quickly because you don't want to miss a thing. Um, Eric, you're an interesting guy. I've been uh, definitely following your stuff for a little while. Um, and I thought the first question I really wanted to ask you today was why? What made you start on this path? What was the inspiration? I feel like it's going to be deep. Um, I realized early on that I had a, a, a big love of music. Um, I was about... Um, eight years old when I saw a movie called American Hot Wax. And it told the story of, of DJ Alan Freed, who coined the term rock and roll and who was the first person to play R&B and rock and roll um, on a major mm. commercial radio station. And watching the movie when I was eight, sitting in a theater, watching real life performances from Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis. And right. these people, to me, were like my... It was like watching Star Wars to some people. It was like, I don't know who these strange creatures are, but I want to be a part of it. Yeah. I have no yeah. musical talent whatsoever, so I better figure out something. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, as, as I got older, I started with a subscription to Billboard magazine and started reading all about the, the people who ran record labels and distributors and artists mm -hmm. and promoters. Mm -hmm. And, and I loved all of that to me, it wasn't just about the music, but it was about what else was happening around them with the economy and what was happening racially and what was happening on a sociological perspective that I loved. 
And I started a record label when I graduated from university, and that turned into a booking agency as well, and then a public relations company, and that was back in 1995, and I've been doing it ever since. So if my math is correct, I've been doing it now for four years. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> can, can I ask, speaking of starting a record label, sorry, what year was it when you started the record label? I started it back in 1995. It was the day after I graduated from York University in Toronto. Right. So 95. So uh, when I graduated from, from college, a lot of people, a lot of my peers were starting uh, record labels. And I'm sure that that was very different from what it was like to start a record label back when there were records more prevalent. And how would you describe the differences between running a record label in the 90s and running, if you could call it a record label, music distribution or however yeah. that works today? What are the differences? Well, when, when you and your friend were starting a record label, um, you know, uh, it was around 1932. So, um, no, you're not that old, are you? No. So <laughs> I just watched them do it. Yeah, right, right. Um, well. There were things called CDs, which was huge at the time. And mm -hmm. CDs, I mean, the internet wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even until maybe a couple of years right. after that where I, I got email. I would spend my nights faxing press releases to people. Um, oh, and uh, But, you know, there was a real, there was a real economy that was established for 30, 40, 50 years where the format might have actually changed from a 45 record to a vinyl record to eight track tapes and then cassettes and then CDs. But it was always yeah. something physical. It was something that, you know, if you were a fan of music, you had to go and save your money and take right, a bus right. or a subway and go down to the record store, hope that they have it, buy it, take right. it home, take off the wrapper, and then you listen to that until you saved up more money to buy something else. And if you didn't like the record, well, tough, because that's what you had. Um, and so everything was really, um, there, were, there, were, uh, there were very little gatekeepers that controlled everything in Canada and in the U.S. If you made a video, you had right. three people that made the decision to air it on Much Music. And if they did, you were a superstar really? overnight. Um, wow. Radio stations, you know, were were pretty much stuck in their in their ways when it came to what was popular. It was what was popular was what the major labels were, you know, of Universal, Sony, and Warner, and Polygram, and there were you know a half a dozen of them. Were that was their priority. There were no other ways to prove anything mm -hmm. that you're that you were a success to get on the radio, to get in the media, than your sales. Right. That was it. There was no streams, right. there was no download, mm -hmm. there was no MP3. So the the actual method of proving that you were worthy of taking the next step were were few and far between. Um, now, right. you know, when I'm going out to the media or talking to artists, they could have 10 million streams, but, you know, 500,000 is on 19 different platforms. And, right, and right, right. you mm -hmm. know, or that they're blowing up on TikTok and it's not even their own material. So this is why you should sign this artist, yeah. you know? So oh, it, yeah. it was it was much different. It's It's so much better now than it ever was. Because even though that, you know, labels and, and artists can complain about the lack of money that is available to them. Um, right. You know, you never hear about 
the 1% of artists that are making absolute bonkers bank on mm. on what it is. They're making far more money now than they ever were in, in any other time in history. So it was the fact that this industry was open to a few and even fewer were a success. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I guess now, despite mm-hmm. the, uh, the oversaturation of people um, and, uh, or not just people, but artists out there with content, um, it sounds like it may have been somehow harder to make it through before, but it, it almost seems backwards because there's so much available now, it's hard to cut through the tape. So how do you, because I know you deal with a lot. I don't even know how you do it. And we might want to talk about that a little bit too, but you seem to deal with hundreds or thousands of artists or at least have your, your finger on the pulse of what's going on with these people. So how do, how, what's your advice for someone to even just be seen or like start to cut through the tape? Yeah, you, you know, artists have to understand and realize that they're not just in competition with another artist from their hometown or that they're not in competition right. with, um, with uh, you know, somebody in their own country or state or province that even played mm-hmm. the same music. Your competition um, is Public Enemy and Marvin Gaye and Bruce Springsteen and The Stones and The right. Beatles mm-hmm. and Frank Sinatra yeah. and everybody else that is available on Spotify or iTunes. And that's 55 to 60 million songs that are available. Um, So you have to be great. We don't have time for good anymore. Nobody does. I do because Uh, good, you have to be good in order to become great. And there's a little, there's a real path that you can take. But even if artists are just starting out, they have to kind of know a little bit of who they are as an artist, but also where they think their audience is. You know, there's never been a better time to be able to actually pinpoint on Facebook or Instagram and spend a couple of dollars boosting the post to your new video to a hundred like-minded fans who might then share your music to a thousand more people. So, um, you know, Mm -hmm. the ability for artists to understand just how little they are thought of as an artist and as people it's like that it's like that 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 psychological effect like when you start to realize how little people will think about you that's when you are truly free i think because then you can do whatever you want because nobody's really looking at you you know but i think artists get the whole wrapped up in the branding aspect of it or what does this mean it means nothing because you're nobody (laughs) But in a great way, Say that again. you know, wow. um, so I just think that that level of competition um, be- and it's not just on the music side. Every time Kim Kardashian does something, every time, um, right. you know, Donald Trump tweeted about something that would suck mm-hmm. the air out of the room for entertainment. And they mm, sure. these writers and editors have and, and producers and show hosts, they all have a choice on why do they need to write about you when they can just write about Beyonce or Rihanna launching a new fragrance line. And that stuff is great. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, that's what they're choosing to write about because it brings them more hit. Once those these artists think that they're worthy enough of trying to get that attention away from them, that's when it really starts to truly connect and work. Right. Uh, Can we talk a little briefly about... uh, It's okay, man. (laughs) Can we talk specifically about the role of a publicist? And when do you think in an artist's career should they even be entertaining, uh, you know, using the services of a publicist? Yeah, I I would say, you you know, uh, uh, what I do is I I work 
along with the artists, an act of the liaison between the artists and the media to mm. try to get the reviews, interviews, um, playlisting on on their playlist, um, mm-hmm. building their story, trying to figure out, yeah. you know, in less than 10 seconds, the, the great elevator pitch of, of why somebody should listen to them over the other 45,000 songs that have come out today. Um, today. And I think, you know, right. in the years prior i would say like even 10 years ago there was just a level of success that the artists had to do on their own before even reaching the idea of building a team where you needed a great manager and a great booking agent and a great Mm. publicist like wheels on a car and you as the artist as the driver and the songs as the gas to make that car go i'm getting hit up from artists that I'm working with now that have just launched their very first single. And that's okay with me because as long as I know that there is a road that they can take when it comes to the media, um, not everybody is going to get Rolling Stone magazine, but there are certainly a lot of podcasters out there that are happily willing to talk to a brand new artist because they have an interesting story, you know? So I try to kind of answer the question, at least in my mind, what is somebody going to talk to you for 15 minutes about or write 500 words about other than you have a new song? Mm -hmm. Because having a new song or an EP or an album or a video, that's not newsworthy. So kind of tell me why people should write about you than anybody else that's out there at that moment. Right. Do you run the social and the website all by yourself? I do. I do. Nobody wants to hang out with me. Nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to hear my useless trivia, dude. Like, not even my own wife wants to. Like, you know, did you know about this? About you know, about the yeah, beginning you do of post trip a up? lot on social media. Yeah, my wife doesn't want to know why the specials first album was a purveyor to trip hop. Like, nobody knows. Nobody <laughs> right, needs to right. know that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I set up all my stuff first thing in the morning, let it run all day. And then I'm, I'm just checking social media for breaking news or people getting angry with something that I said or some, you know, big celebrity that I've long admired tweeting back at me. Yeah. So yeah, I I run everything myself. It's part, it's part, it's part of the fun. How long have you been running the site? Well, Twitter, I mean, Twitter, I got on, 13 years ago. So almost when it first started, but I was one of those people that were like jumping from like MySpace to Facebook, to Twitter, to Instagram and, mm. and terribly confused about TikTok. Right. Right. <laughs> what, what inspired the website though? Um, I needed to have a place, not only to house forever, the things that I love, but to have a right. place where the artist can go just to find out more about me. You know, that's one thing that's gotten lost gotcha. in the age of social media is how right. few bands actually have a website. And I tell them, mm-hmm. you need to have something because today's TikTok was yesterday's MySpace. And although MySpace still gets right. 22 million right. hits a month, right. um, you know, it's the only place where you get to own something, even if it's, you know, your photos or your bio and stuff, the minute that you stick it up on Facebook, they own that, you know, yes, you own it. But Facebook can go away next week and you don't own anything. You're not going to be able to get anything back. So the ability at least to have a central location for all your socials, all your videos, make it really super easy for the media and industry to find one place where everything is because they're not going to go looking on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok for that one video that blew up. That should be the one that's on your homepage forever. True. True. Wise words. Wow. Did you Um, have a question, Matt? 
I do. So it, in in terms of we're we're talking about how expectations change and that there are more people competing now and that that's a, a good thing. Um, do you find that that's changed now that there's a democratization of recording equipment? Do you find that the average listener's expectation of quality has changed? Um, Even in demos, you know that that's a that's a real great question. Because part of me says I should answer yes, but the answer is no. Um, and it's not because the audience have accepted worse. It's because mm. the last number of years, the, the sheer ability for artists to put demos on social media and watch it fly has never been seen before. You know, back in the day... Right. When you had a, de you artists would have to write a hundred different songs or sometimes record a hundred different songs to get to the 12 or 15 that were going to be on their album. The demos were yeah. never heard. That was the magic. You oh. didn't know how those songs were created. You had no idea True. how many awful crappy takes it took <laughs> of rhymes yeah. of, of Jay-Z or Dr. Dre to get to the point of the chronic. You only got right, the finished right, right. shiny version of it. Now, fans want to know what you're working on. They want to see photos of lyric mm -hmm. sheets. They want to see a piano yeah. version. They want to sure. see how songs go from sucky to amazing. And in fact, mm -hmm. you know, even right now, Olivia Rodrigo's song Driver's License is number one for the fourth straight week, debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. There's only 15 songs yeah. in music history that has been number one so from a debut of a first song yeah. on Billboard. Mm. She was posting her going through that song six months ago, you know, wow, strumming right. on the guitar, trying to figure out what the song was. And she would say, guys, I hope you like it. It's a work in progress. And then when the song came out, she had hundreds of millions of people that had already felt like they had worked through that song with her. Is, so yeah. when it was finally out, yeah. it was like a journey to the final process yeah. of it. Now, what you don't see is maybe that she was already signed to the major label. Maybe that mm. song was already finished. And this is maybe her process, which was maybe, I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it's fake news, I have no inside yeah, yeah, information, yeah. but I've been in parts where I'm telling artists to start post, uh, to start filming their work in the studio so that when the song is ready to come out two weeks beforehand, start posting that stuff. Um, a great idea. So it's not a question of that the audiences are willing to, to take bad they're willing to happily follow their artists through the process of things which would have never happened before makes sense wow. that's some does the final product have to be of a certain quality or that doesn't seem to matter as much anymore either it's more about the song itself um no i think you know i i think it's i think all those truisms of final quality and connection with the song mattered back in 1920 and they matter a hundred years from that and to that um right. the the quality of the songs i mean are they sounding better probably not are they 
more melodic to me, not really. I mean, I, I, I listen to classic rock artists or artists that have been around for 50 years tell me that in some of the hits that are going on, their choruses wouldn't even make a verse in their song. But that's okay. Right. Wow. That's, yeah. that's their music, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, well, yeah. It, it's, it's just, it's almost like the ability to create a song from committee, you should have every minute detail of the song be a melodic structure, but it's really not. It's almost like it's a vibe, you know, and, and, and I don't and I don't say this because I'm old, because I am. <laughs> I say this because I started to think about this. The more criticism artists are getting, at least on my Twitter feed from people that are over the age of 35, where I'll post something like Drake just got, you know, it's his 230th Billboard Hot 100 hit, the most in history, and somebody will invariably write, I can't even hum a single song. And it's like, it's not for you, you know, white accountant from, you know, <laughs> from Cincinnati. Like, it's <laughs> not, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? But then, look, I mean, even some of the best songs that have completely stuck in people's minds, like I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas or Old Town yeah. Road, there are people who will mm -hmm. just not like that kind of music. But I think it's Very genius, true. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You are, um, you're very interesting to chat with. I have a couple more questions. I know we're, our time is running short with you, unfortunately, but yeah, that's okay. Go these, for it. You have these really cool one minute tips for artists. Um, yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Uh, maybe borderline genius. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to ask you a couple of the questions I came across. Yeah. Who's the most creative person that you know? Ah, uh, wow. You know, the reason why I ask these silly questions on Twitter and I tell everybody yep. else is because I don't want to answer them. <laughs> the mo <laughs> the <laughs> most creative person I know. Um, you know what? It, it It's probably going... I'm probably going to have to say Kevin Drew, who's the owner of... of, of uh, Arts and... Of, uh, of Arts and Crafts Records. Not only does he work with mm. artists like... Um, Gore Downey from the Tragically Hip and Andy Kim. Um, but he works yeah. with a lot of new artists. And I think he just has a real good eye for things. Um, the creative artist that I that I don't know is probably Taylor Swift. I mean, just go to her Instagram. She's like, here's me with my squad. Here's me with my cats. Here's me sleeping yeah. on a plane by my single. Here's me, you know, walking in the park. Here's me making gifts for people that they don't know. Here's me spending $50,000 on a student that needs money by my album. And I think she's yeah. utterly fascinating because she makes the narrative of her songs match up perfectly to where her life is. So yeah, I would say yeah. her. What are some things on social media that you see artists do that you would probably caution them to maybe stop doing? Um, giving their opinion. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, I agree <laughs> you know the, the artists have to understand that the minute that they talk about something that they feel they could potentially lose at least 50% of their audience so that's okay right. just don't be surprised when you post about Donald Trump or Joe Biden mm. no matter how good mm. and powerful you think both those people are there's, a, there's the yeah. opposite effect that is going to happen with it. And we're seeing it now. You know, 
Um, there are absolutely the the absolute right for artists to speak out and talk about their mind um, and and talk about what's going on in the in their head. Just don't be surprised when you start telling people to wear a mask when you go outside. Something that is so universally accepted is not when you find out that it is universally accepted. When I post about right. wear a mask, I can't wait until I get the virus. There are people who will unfollow me because they believe that while they are typing this on their phone and having social media apps on their phone, following them, tracking them while they do ways on their phone, <laughs> there are people that are complaining that there is a microchip in the virus while they are right, on the their phone one. tracking. So... You know, sure. hypocrisy is not one of human beings' finest points. But I would, mm -hmm. you know, it's not so much that I, I tell them to do to not do this or say this, but whenever we kind of right. get into the whole, like, look, people have to know who you are as a person in order for them to really follow you and like you. They'll love your song, mm -hmm. but if they really want to turn into a hardcore band, they have to know who you are. Be really, really cautious of that sure. because even where you stand politically – and cancel culture, which is probably the worst thing that ever happened to social media, ever. where, you know, yep. actors and actresses are getting canceled based on on who they're voting for. It never used to be like that. It never used wow. to be like that. Yeah. So part it of it is like, thank God we all know now who, what kind of people they are. But it's also like, wow, it's okay if somebody disagrees with you. For yeah, sure. God forbid. Uh, I mean, in order for someone like you to become so established, you've obviously had to become like really good at networking and making and nurturing relationships. What kind of advice would you give some artist or anyone in the industry uh, that's looking to improve on their networking and relationship skills, uh, relationship building skills? Sorry, I, I am the most um, I am the, the 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 most extrovert introvert you'll ever meet. Um, this this <laughs> pandemic that we're in. Um, yeah. is a blessing in disguise for people like me who really mm -hmm. thoroughly enjoy working at home and and doing right. things on email and not having long meetings with people or going out to parties only to ghost them a half hour later. Um, I, right, I right. love people. <laughs> I love human beings. But this has been remarkably, I mean, busy and fruitful, um, despite yeah, the yeah. fact that people are dying, which, you know, Absolutely right, right. Horrible. horrible. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, you you look. Everybody is gonna fake it until they make it. Everybody is as yeah. phony as you think they are. Um, wondering <laughs> what you're going to be doing for them, or why am I spending time talking to you? Everybody's time is valuable. Right, so right. go yeah, out. Yeah. You know, go out <laughs> when this is all over, and and go see as many people as you can. Go talk to go. Go attend as many advice, uh, events as you can and read. Read everything you can get your hands on. You know, the very first question yeah. was, you know, how things have changed. Oh, my gosh. I had to buy everything, you know, now for yeah. free yeah. For, the, for the price of an internet. I've got the world's knowledge at my fingertips. I read 50 or 60 yeah. blogs yeah. every single couple of days. And, and, and it's been an amazing ability that I could get knowledge for free, you know. True. um and and mm -hmm. that kind of helps you build the confidence that you know what you're talking about. Or you fake it until you make it. To realize that everybody right. else is faking it until they make it too. Wow. All right, that's, uh, that is, yeah. <laughs> I want to hear amazing. some drums. I want to hear some drums. 
<laughs> you want to add a little bass with You'll that? You'll hear too? rubber because these do. are rubber turned on. I, I want to go, go on. I, I, I want this outro music to be a drum, a drum solo. <laughs> oh, we got to work Outro, we have in. you for three more minutes. Don't worry, we'll do that in <laughs> okay. post, Matt. Here, 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 here's what I, what I want to ask. Can I ask one more question? We have yeah, some more time. Do, do you, um, when you see an artist that you're working with doing something that you think is really detrimental to their career, how do you go about it? And at some point, I'm sure you have to let go and be like, okay, you're digging your own grave. How, how does that usually work? Because that must be one of the hardest parts of your job. It's the easy with artists that I'm working with. Oh, it's quite yeah. simple. Oh, I send them a really happy email telling them that I refuse to, to work with them anymore. And, uh, and I've done it. I've done it twice this year already. Um, ooh, when when people have posted something that was unbelievably so horrendously in bad taste that I refuse mm. to wow. even have a moment because I don't care. You know, I, I care enough about my reputation, but I mm. don't care enough to lose my reputation and and uh, to work with somebody like that. You know, one person in particular um, started posting about how, you know, how the virus, going back to the coronavirus, how how the virus yeah. was actually being controlled by the government and how people shouldn't be staying inside and and how, um, you know, these people are, are... And he used, you know, he used the term Nazis. And it was like, you know, wow. if you were a superstar, you would be dropped almost immediately from it. I've had artists yeah. that have emailed me a joke that was forwarded to them that was so racially horrendous that they thought that I was a safe space for them and it was far from it. I have to preach wow. what I do. And I have an 18 year old daughter who became verified on social media when she was 13. This stuff that I talk wow. about and I talk about with her and with the artist, it's not for show. You have to be a good person. Mm -hmm. You have to come correct and you have to, mm -hmm. um, you just have to be good. It's just so easy to be a good person, you know, but people choose not to do it because they want to stick it to somebody else or that they're still learning. Mm -hmm. They don't have to learn with me. So I'm happily, right. happily willing to drop anybody at the moment hat because I don't care. I don't care what their excuses yeah. are. You know, I don't care yeah. if they delete mm -hmm. it and they're sorry. Cool. Go find somebody else that they want to work it's with. Been done. Yeah. Well, speaking, let's flip that around. So, <laughs> so for those uh -oh. who want to work with you what's the is there any criteria or how do you are you accepting new clients artists how does yeah. it work for yeah. aspiring up and coming yeah people just have to call me or email me or send me a note um there's lots of people where they'll send me music to add to the spotify playlist that i have and then i'll email them back if i think it's great and say hey this is like really really good stuff um and normally those people that that hit me up through twitter or instagram they've it's their first playlist ad ever because nobody else will give them the time right. of day. But I'm happy to to talk to brand new artists, not with an eye towards business, but just because I know what it's like still to this day when I'm working a brand new artist and everybody needs a shot, you know? Everybody needs a, a chance yeah. to get heard. So, um, yeah, I I'm happily will tell people that they're great. I never give criticism. Well, it's funny because they'll always say, you know, what else can I change to make it better? And it's like, don't know. I don't know. I'm not the artist, sure. you know? And if you were going to tell me that mm. Old Town Road was going to sell 22 million copies around the world, I would have said, you're an idiot. 
Well, how, how is this going to be possible? If you were going to tell me 10 years ago that accordions and banjos were going to be on alternative rock stations, I would have said you're crazy. So what do I know? You know, I just know what I like, yeah, yeah. but I also as a, have to keep half my brain as a publicist and go, there's absolutely a place for you in this world. And, right. you know, let's go and find those people if you want to. If not, that's cool. I'm, you know, keep me informed on your music. I love listening to new artists and new music because it, it, it helps me figure out, you know, what's going on in the world, too. Yeah. Stay in your lane. I guess that's what I'm kind of hearing from that. Yeah. And don't be an asshole if you want to work there. Don't be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you don't have to really stay in your lane. You just have to know that there's a road for everybody. Look, if your first single is all jazz and you want to go to hip-hop for the next one and you want to make a, an awesome, fun disco song and then go put guitars and rock out on your next single, you can go for it. Yep. Just know that you're going to confuse the hell right. out of people and that it's going to make it really sure. difficult to, for people to follow you. But go for it. Do it. Because, mm -hmm. again, nobody cares. Right. So go for it try that again so you're saying know your role yeah <laughs> eric i think nobody cares i think you're a genius in your space uh, thanks, i know that guys. we have to send you running hopefully really i had a great i had a lot of fun this is great nobody's yeah, ever thrown my own questions back to me and it scares me i, I had more next time <laughs> yeah. we're gonna ask you what your superpower is but i have a feeling from listening that we figured it out um, can my, you uh, my, shout my, out your soul oh yeah, oh, my my, my superpower is really easy. It's making people uncomfortable with less than a sentence. Oh. <laughs> just, talk, just talking about myself. Fair enough. Going, why, did, why did you <laughs> say that? That is a useful skill. Why? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at that Eric Alper, or they can visit the website anytime at thatericalper.com. Sounds good. Getting Thank you so much. All right. Thank you Thanks, much. guys. I had a blast. Thanks, man. All right. We'll talk soon. Appreciate Appreciate it. It. Thank, Thank you. Take care. Bye. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.